VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, we know that it was uh, fairly recently that um, Don Imus got into a lot of trouble. <laughs> I, I guess being fired is a lot of trouble. Uh, for calling a girls' basketball team nappy-headed hoes. My guest today, Dr. Chika Oniani, has gone further than that. Um, he has written a book, and he's called it Capitalist Nigger, The Road to Success, A Spiderweb Doctrine. Welcome to the show, Dr. Oniani. Thank you, Dr. Carroll. Um, why don't we start, before we uh, um, talk about your life from Nigeria to uh, being a statesman, a diplomat, an editor, and an author, which um, I think must, must have been or must be an interesting voyage. Um, I'd like to get your opinions on what happened with Don Imus and what you, you, whether you think he should have been fired or not, just how outrageous um, you think that is, and then why you called uh, your book Capitalist Nigger, which you know was kind of trying to get the same sort of outrage but for a positive reason. Well, uh, I think um, there is there is an ambivalence in the sense that uh, okay, we all want free speech, but uh, when um, I think the word nigger, if he had said uh, oh niggers instead of hoes, either I, I wouldn't have trouble with it myself. I think there is a connotation that uh, these girls, uh, uh, with the connotation of uh, being a, a whole. Um, which is American uh, slang for a whore or a prostitute. Um, so that is that is uh, uh, that is where I had a problem with uh, what he said, uh, calling them basically prostitutes. So okay, but is, but do you think if he had just called them hoes, um, that there would have been such a big deal made out of it, as opposed to nappy-headed? Which has more of a of a racial connotation. Um, well, uh, the the thing is that uh, I mean the the, the Rutgers uh, basketball is consi- I mean consisted of uh, of both African Americans and uh, and others. So if he had said hoes, it would have applied to everybody instead of saying as you as you said nappy headed hoes. Uh, which specifically addressed uh, was addressed to uh, uh, the, the the blacks uh, the blacks in the in the team, and uh, that is uh, I think that is why uh, uh, a lot of people had uh, uh, problem with it, and um, uh, and and uh, in trying to explain his action, uh, I think um, uh, he he uh, tried to. Uh, I think he fueled the, uh, the the whole thing by uh, uh, being. Uh, I mean, the way he apologized and all that. Uh, 
Um, I think uh, if he had uh, said, uh, listen, I made a mistake, I accept my mistake and all that, and, um, you know, it, it's not something that I should have said. I know he said it, but uh, I think it was in the way and then uh, uh, the calls and all that. Um, <clears throat> So uh, that is uh, that is that is where uh, I would say that he made a mistake. But but in terms of uh, if he had just used the word "hose," uh, it would have applied to all members of the team. Mm-hmm. Well, and but what do you think about? Um, I think one positive thing that's come out of that is that there seems to be this movement now. I don't know whether it's picking up steam or whether it was just around then and it's kind of dying out but um, there seems to have been some people who got interested in cleaning up lyrics to rap songs where indeed black people called themselves or the or black women hoes and other names well um, I, I think uh, I think that is wrong headed you know for people to be doing that uh, to say the rapper should uh, clean up their act that is what that is what rapping is all about um i know that they are not trying to really really insult uh uh their 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 their, their i mean uh, black women after all they are our mothers they are our sisters they are our daughters uh, they are our nieces and all that and uh, people understand that but but in terms of in terms of my own uh, philosophy I believe that uh, that because this is what has fueled uh, an industry, an industry that was non-existent before, um, and uh, people are now an industry that has provided a lot of jobs and has been very, very um, uh, positive in, in, in you know in taking a lot of people uh, out of trouble. And, You're talking uh, about to- the. The rap music industry? Yeah, yeah, the rap music industry. And um, I believe that uh, um, it, it has it has been very positive on the on the on the on the black community uh, black community. And uh, it should not. Uh, uh, it's an industry that has created uh, uh, some some wealthy blacks and all that. And uh, I don't think it should be messed up. Well, now that's interesting because we have definitely opposing views of that. But I can see where you're coming from. Um, in regard to your economic theories that we'll get into a little later and what the black, black people should do. Um, but uh, as much as I am for that, your general idea, um, I, I must say the, the rap music industry is not um, one of the... Uh, not one of the industries that I, I am in favor of flourishing, um, mm. beca- and, and it has nothing to do with pe- whether people are black or any other color. It has to do with the lyrics that I think really affects people of all races very badly. I'm, I'm a, a big activi- activist against violence in the media, whether that's movies or rap lyrics or anything. Uh, Doctor Carroll, you should remember some of the words uh, in the in the 60s, in the 70s, that were condemned, that are now acceptable. Uh, but I'm not saying that uh, uh, they should go around calling our women hoes and all that. Yeah. And uh, but but, uh, but, uh, but but in terms of the songs, and uh, this is 
they, they, they are trying to, uh, to, to, to bring out what uh, really, really happens in the, in the community. Uh, and as I said, it has, um, it, it has, uh, it has spawned an industry that was non-existent before. Um, unfortunately, uh, which is not controlled by blacks, unfortunately. Uh huh. Well, we can come back to that because, yes, I think it does illustrate some of the things that you want to say. Um, but th- let's talk about the title of your book and why you p- chose a capitalist nigger. I mean, you, of course, I'm sure, well, I mean, obviously, controversy sells books. But, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we all know. But, but how have you dealt with, what kind of backlash have you gotten and how have you dealt with that? Uh, in fact, uh, the, the, uh, as somebody suggested, uh, maybe if I called it another name, maybe the book might not have sold, uh, as much as, uh, as, uh, as it has done, or maybe, uh, it would have, uh, sold a lot better, and people have been asking me to, uh, to give it another title because huh. the book is, uh, very powerful, but, but, uh, uh, but to me, I think the black community, when I say this, uh, people's, uh, people always call in and say, oh, it is because you're an African, you don't know what we suffered and all mm. that. Uh, mm. uh, you came from, you come from Africa, so you don't know what, uh, uh, blacks have suffered because of that, uh, that world itself. But to me, I think, uh, I, I think, uh, uh th- there is so much, uh, time devoted. Of course, there is a, a genre of uh, black writers who, who don't think, um, uh, you know, um, who, who don't think that we should be paying the kind of attention that we are paying to the word nigger and uh, what we have gone through to have it banned, uh, to have the word exercised from, uh, from dictionaries and all that. Uh, so uh, in, in my own case, uh, as I said in my book, uh, in Africa, we have a saying that it is not what you call me, but what I answer to that matters most. Hmm. You, you know? And, uh, if somebody, if somebody were to come here and call me a nigger, I would call him a nigger, you know, because it doesn't, uh, that, that is not my name. My name is Chika Onyani. And, uh, if you, if you decide to call me a nigger, that is, that is, that is meaningless to me. So we we devote uh, because when you know uh, we 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 have uh, we always go to barricades when a white person just uh, like um, what's his name Michael you know uh, said it uh, uh, we go to barricades and uh, I think I wrote an article on that uh, how we have elevated him uh, to 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 a height that uh, you know. He, elevated he, he, he who? Did not deserve. Elevated who? Um, you know, they, 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 what's his name? Um, who, who used to be on uh, Seinfeld? Uh, who talked about? Oh, me, uh, oh, me. yes, um, mm-hmm. yes, I know who you mean. Um, yeah. Uh, the, when he said that at the club, yes, yes and people yeah. are saying that we, that we, what? That, that, you know, then the, the black community went berserk. I mean, some of the leaders. Yes. And as I said, uh, uh, you are paying too much attention to somebody who didn't really deserve such attention. Uh, you know, we are making him uh, what he is not. Right. Uh, so, uh, uh, to me, that, that is a kind of, uh, 
of um, of of uh, I mean that is some of the things that we do. We go to the barricades about um, about this word nigger, and uh, and then people uh, white people have always used the word to uh, denigrate uh, black people, and we respond. Uh, and when you do that, when uh, when we do that. We are making the person who says the word to us uh, more superior to us. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you understand? We are according them superiority, and uh, at the same time making ourselves a more inferior than than we should. Uh, just because somebody said a word, yes. then we feel so inferior about it. Uh, and yes. to me, as I said, that is why that uh, some of us are trying to make that word irrelevant as it applies to black people is to make the, the word nigger irrelevant because no matter the kind of legislation, no matter how you exercise it from, uh, it, you cannot uh, sue the lips of everybody, everybody who wants to say the word. And uh, you devote so much time uh, to 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 that uh, that uh, it, it it becomes uh, uh, it becomes uh, meaningless. We have uh, we we have, uh, for instance, in the New York area, we have uh, uh, about fifty percent of the youth not employed. So these leaders who devote so much time mm. to a word. If they devoted one, I mean, just 10% of the same amount of time they are devoting to the word nigger, they will find employment uh, mm -hmm. and more people will be employed instead of, uh, instead of uh, what we are doing right now. So, of course, it gives them publicity and all that. They are doing something. But at the same time, they are not addressing the core problem that affects the black community. Yes, yes, that's a very good point. I mean, basically, it's it's uh, the fact it's giving power to the person because it's showing that that it's a hot button, that it's a vulnerable spot, that really it, it has to do with low self esteem and feeling put down or feeling easily yes. put down. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so that just by having somebody say that, if if you really felt good about yourself. It wouldn't really have as much relevance to you. Yes, that's of course it. Of course, it does also matter whether it's a black person or a white person who is saying that word too. I mean, you're more able to say it, just like the rap stars are more able to say it than obviously someone like that. Well, I, I remember my uh, my manager who is Chinese, uh, mm -hmm. a bank manager, and uh, uh, she she got a copy of my book. She uh, she called me and she said, Chica. How can you how can you write this? How can you say this? I said, Well, I can say it. She said, But why can't I say it? I said, Because I will sue you. <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, we're going to be taking a break now. But when we come back, what I'd like to uh, hear about is um, how you came, made this long journey, not just literally. But um, from where you were to where you've become, what you've become, from a small village in Nigeria to being uh, not only an author, but um, the editor-in-chief of the African Sun-Times, 
and a man who's won so many awards that I, I it would take the whole show. <laughs> um, and I'd really like to hear about that, and I'm sure my listeners would too. So Thank we're you. talking today with Dr. Chika Oniani. His book is Capitalist Nigger, uh, The Road to Success, A Spider Web Doctrine. We'll be hearing more about that when we come back. And you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. The Internet's premier talk radio station, VoiceAmerica.com. Join Patricia Raskin, host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call in to Positive Living Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy Easy to understand tools and tips. With his weekly guests, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. Join Patricia Raskin, host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call in to Positive Living Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time right here on VoiceAmerica.com. 
Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest today is Dr. Chika Oniani. He is the author of a book called Capitalist Nigger, The Road to Success, A Spider Web Doctrine. Now, before we um, get into the theories that you have in the book, um, take us on, tell us a story. <laughs> tell us the story of your life and, and, and what it was like when you were born in this small village in Nigeria and how you um, developed these big dreams to, to um, leave the country and, I mean, and do what you're doing, or did that sort of... Um, um, did you kind of figure that out as you went along? What, what were you think? What was life like for you as a little boy in Nigeria? Well, um, uh, I, I think I, uh, I uh, that, that in, in my new book I might have uh, uh, touched on that. Uh, that is uh, the brother bond conspiracy. But uh, in growing up, um, you know, in the village, uh, um, you know, the most uh, searing thing was. Uh, you know, when your parents leave you when you are very, um, very, very young. For instance, you are uh, being born in the um, in the township, and then you are sent back to the village uh, when you are five years or six years uh, uh, to go to school uh, to live with your grandmother. And uh, so that is that is basically what happened. That uh, when I was five or six. Uh, I was sent back home to 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 go to school instead of living wait, with wait, my. Wait, wait, wait. I I um I don't understand what you mean. Wait, from the time that you were born until the time that you were five or six, you lived with with your, my parents. With your parents. Yes. In a more rural, country-like setting. No, no, no. In the township, it was in the township, uh, uh, a big city. Okay. Uh, which has become one of the biggest cities in Nigeria, actually, uh, today. And why did they send you back to to your grandparents to go to school? Uh, it was uh, sort of a custom because uh, they wanted to make sure that I understood uh, the the customs of my people. Huh. Um, even though uh, growing up uh, there and uh, learning everything, but we you have to go through uh, uh, some rituals. 
you know, like when you are six years old, you you have to do, there, there are certain stages in life you have to pass through, you have to do some things yeah. uh, before uh, you pass through uh, that age. Uh, like, like um, you, you know, I mean, this is not barbaric anywhere, but uh, like when you, uh, when you are six years old, you are supposed to have, uh, uh, you, you, you are supposed to have uh, shot a, uh, a bird. And uh, so you, you carry that bird and uh, you go from, uh, from one compound and uh, to another, you dance. Uh, when you get to that compound, and everybody uh, praises you for having uh, done this uh, this deed, and you are given like uh, corn or yam and things like that, or you know, some people might even give you money, mm-hmm. you know. So you have to pass uh, through that uh, that age, and uh, at a certain point uh, in time, when you are ready to. And uh, you you have to belong as a as a boy. There are some societies you are supposed to to belong to, uh, which uh, girls were you know they they are not supposed when uh, when when the boys and the men are playing the the, the in the in the secret society, uh, the, the the women are not supposed to come out. Mm-hmm. You know, so you you have to be inducted into those things as as a young man. You are expected to be inducted, and the way I come from, we are known as the Ohafia uh, Mighty Warriors, um, because in those days, uh, you know, our people used to go to a lot of wars. They fought a lot of wars, mm. um, and uh, uh, you know, the ritual then was was you know um, that that. Uh, uh, before our own time, uh, if you don't bring a, a head home, you are not a man. Uh, so uh, the head of your enemy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, so so uh, you are you are you are not uh, you are not a man. So mm-hmm. and then uh, before and then you are at, uh, at a certain point in time. You are given a name by, uh, that is the, uh, we have what we call the age group. And uh, people born within three years of each other mm-hmm. uh, are grouped together and they are given a name um, uh, for, 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 that, uh, for that village. And you are supposed to perform some duties and all that. Yeah. Uh, before, before you are given the name, you are supposed to perform some duties. So that, that is why um, my my parents had to send me back home uh, to 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 learn those things and to to be inducted into the into the societies uh, into the those uh, secret societies because if not uh, you you uh, uh, all your all your colleagues uh, your 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 age group uh, everybody will be looking down on you. You know, they will beat you up and all that. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, so, in other words, even though they were living more in the city, they didn't want you to be um, away from your roots, to never know your roots. No, they didn't want me to. You know, I am totally, totally grounded in the culture of my people. 
<laughs> That's very interesting. And so while you were doing all that, and that was until you were how old? Um, well, um, while I was, uh, I think uh, well, during the time I was going to school in primary school, I sort of became um, what you call the village letter writer. Hmm. You know, uh, people people want to write letters. Uh, well, it did not uh, it did not start that way because I hated school. Uh, my parents living and all that. Uh, even though I loved my grandmother very much, uh, in fact, I loved her more than my parents. Hmm. But but the thing was that uh, you know I hated school. And uh, every time uh, I would run away from school, and uh, but uh, the uh, the our teacher would send uh, uh, other students to go. If you if you miss school, they will send people to go and catch you wherever you are. No, even if you run, they will come and find you. They will catch you and bring mm-hmm. you back, and then you are given uh, twelve lashes on your bare buttocks. <laughs> hmm. Maybe they should do that in New York, <laughs> or in all all over the states. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so, um, but uh, as time went on, uh, uh, I don't know how that happened, but uh, people started uh, uh, asking me to write letters uh, to their to their to their children outside the village and all that. So um, that is um, so. I I sort of uh, uh, at um, primary three or, or you know primary three or that I started writing letters. Uh, oh, uh, I am very glad to send you this missive. You know, uh-huh. using the big word. Right. <laughs> it's funny you were you were cutting class, but you were the one who was the scholar already writing the letters. Okay, and at that during those days, were you thinking about leaving Nigeria? And no, no, no. I my parents didn't have that kind of money to send me abroad. Uh-huh. Um, but um, you know. Uh, while I was uh, doing all that, uh, uh, I went to to school and um, and was able to uh, pass my exams uh, and all that. And um, um, I, I joined. Uh, uh, I started work and and then joined the Nigerian Foreign Service. Um, the Nigerian Foreign Service uh, in nineteen uh, in nineteen sixty sixty three. I mean, I joined the Nigerian uh, civil service, and uh, but I, then in '63, in January, I was posted to the Nigerian uh, Foreign Service, mm-hmm. uh, whereby um, then uh, four months later, I was I was posted to Dublin, Ireland, as uh, as a diplomat. So, so I mean. We're, did this just kind of happen to you, or or were you already when you joined the civil service? Were you, what were you thinking you wanted to do with your life? Well, when you join the 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 the, the, the civil service, uh, you all, I mean, the, when you join, when you when you are in the foreign service, you are there is every possibility you are going to go abroad. Mm-hmm. I mean, then. So, so when even though I had objected uh, to being transferred uh, to the foreign service, but when I, I when I got there, 
uh, when I was transferred, um, my um, somebody uh, uh, who I regarded as my uncle, you know, mm-hmm. from the same village, from the same compound as mm-hmm. my mother, um, and um, so uh, he was there. He said, uh, you, are st- you are being stupid. So why are you objecting to coming here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that is how it happened um, that that I accepted to go to the foreign service, uh, to the foreign ministry. And uh, from there I went to, uh, as I said, um, from there I was, I was then transferred to, uh, to Dublin in 19, uh, in April of 1963. But so. what I'm trying, but did you, I mean, it seems like from early on, from the time that they wanted you to be the letter writer, that you, you seem to be sort of, I guess, a natural born leader, is, is, you know, in well, order. Well, uh, what had happened was that, uh, from that letter writing, uh, I became sort of, uh, uh, all, all these organizations that uh, that uh, I had to join, I became the the secretary general of those organizations. Always the secretary general uh-huh. because I could write and uh, I could uh, keep the, the minutes of the meetings mm-hmm. and all those things. You know, so uh, I, I guess um, it, it, people recognize that uh, that I was able to to do those things. And and it's so interesting, you know, of course as a psychiatrist this is the kind of thing that interests me how someone goes from starting as a little baby and winds up with, with what they're doing. And of course now that you are the author of, uh, well, a couple of books now, but uh, we're going to be talking about The Capitalist Nigger, The Road yes, to Success, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, and of course being the editor of the African, African Sun Times, mm-hmm. I mean it's it's kind of you know it's kind of interesting to to see that uh, that these roots started early in the in the letter writing. <laughs> yeah, I mean I mean uh, yes, uh, when I look back, because you know people say uh, people, uh, for instance, I'm referred to as uh, the dean of uh, the African media in America and all that. Uh, as uh, as a journalist of international repute, but I did not go to a journalism school. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, it is it is because I decided to begin to express my views. Yeah. First of all, I started a a newsletter. And, ah, uh, well, this is actually that's the music for taking a break, and that's what okay. we're going to get into when we come back. That's These good. very uh, explosive, controversial views that you have. <laughs> <laughs> My guest today is Dr. Chika Oniani, and uh, now that we. Uh, know where he came from. We're going to see what these controversial views are all about, and they really, there's really a lot of um, a lot of intelligence behind these views. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. The Internet's premier talk radio station, VoiceAmerica.com. 
what are the favorite travel destinations of the Hollywood Jet Set? Where do celebrities like to go when they aren't walking the red carpet? Tune in to Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk with President of Traveris, David Manning, and Lisa O'Hurley, golf aficionado and wife of actor John O'Hurley. On Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa talk with well-known actors, sports celebrities, and entertainment insiders to find out about their favorite travel destinations and what they recommend. On Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa also offer up feature vacations each week and last-minute deals for your next getaway. Find out what's new and exciting in the travel industry, as well as how to raise money for your nonprofit organizations while enjoying a wonderful vacation. Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk with David Manning and Lisa O'Hurley broadcasts each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, your inside look into celebrities and travel. The Kerry Douglas Show, with the CEO of Worldwide Music Incorporated and the founder and publisher of Gospel Truth Magazine, Kerry Douglas. By tuning in weekly, you will gain insight, tips, and tools to help get your career started. From how to market yourself to distribution of your product, learn the power of faith-based marketing and much more on The Kerry Douglas Show. Join Kerry each week with guests from the gospel music industry, entrepreneurs, speakers, and authors as they discuss faith-based news, events, and trends. The Kerry Douglas Show with Carrie Douglas broadcast each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, and is brought to you by Gospel Truth Magazine and Worldwide Music Incorporated on the Voice America channel. The Carrie Douglas Show with Carrie Douglas, your premier source for faith based entertainment, news, events, and trends. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll free at 1 866 472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest today is not only an author, a statesman, a multi, multiple award winner, but he has shot a bird <laughs> and been in secret societies and brought back the head of his enemies in Nigeria. <laughs> And his name is Dr. Chika Oniani, and the book that we're talking about now is Capitalist Nigger, The Road to Success, A Spiderweb Doctrine. Very controversial title, very controversial book, very controversial man. And tell us now all about it. What is the premise? What, what do you want to say, um, you know, now that you've gotten our attention? <laughs> well, uh, Capitalist Nigger uh, makes the point that uh, the black race has... Uh, uh, been very non-productive uh, compared to other races uh, that, um, you know, that basically we depend on other communities for everything that uh, that we need, um, that, that um, yeah, we are not as, um, you know, uh, uh, we, are, we, are, we are not as, as, uh, as, we don't have the same uh, killer instinct as, uh, as, as uh, uh, the Caucasians or the uh, spider web mentality of the Asians, you know. So um, uh, that is the, the premise of the book, that uh, uh, black people, the black race. Uh, I remember when I started writing the, the book because my wife is African-American. Uh, so I said, uh, you know, in the book uh, she thought I was writing about African-Americans only. Uh, she didn't like that, but when she saw that uh, I was addressing the book about the black race, 
uh, it's not uh, because what happens in um, uh, in uh, here in America also happens in Africa, happens in the Caribbean, except that uh, when the Caribbean people come here, they look down on the blacks, and when Africans come here, they look down on the blacks, and, uh, mm. you know, of course the blacks look down on Africans and look mm. down on the other people themselves, well, too. That's interesting. <laughs> so, so, um, so, uh, you, uh, uh, that is why, as I said, uh, we, we, um, we, we, uh, we as black people, we, we like to whine and, uh, complain about what other races have done to us. We like to blame white people uh, for all our, all our problems. And, um, uh, the book makes the point that it is time that, uh, black people started taking responsibility for their actions. Whatever is happening, there are some of us who believe that uh, we have to begin to take responsibility for what happens within uh, within our communities, uh, uh, whether it is in Africa, when something happens uh, in Africa, uh, the first African, uh, uh, black African country to become independent uh, in 1957 was Ghana. Uh, that is 50 years ago. The Ghana celebrated its 50th uh, uh, year anniversary in, in, in March, and uh, and uh, other African countries followed. Uh, we are talking of over 40 years when all these countries uh, got their independence. Uh, for instance, uh, Ghana in 1957 uh, got its independence at the same time as I believe Singapore. Or whatever, and uh, uh, the per capita cap, uh, the per capita income of these two countries were the same five hundred dollars uh, at that time in nineteen fifty-seven. Per capita income. Yeah, per capita income. Oh, per capita, yes. Yeah, per capita income. Um, was five hundred dollars where? Uh, was in in uh, in Ghana and uh, in um, in Singapore. Okay. Uh, but uh, of course, we know what has happened in Singapore. Yes. Their per capita income is about twelve thousand eight hundred dollars, hmm. and that of uh, of Ghana is uh, is is just risen to four hundred and something dollars. Hmm. Uh, in fact, it has uh, it has regressed instead right. of appreciate. So why do you uh, so think why do you think that is? I mean, because in a country like Ghana, I mean, in an African country where there isn't the people couldn't whine about. I, I'm assuming the people can't whine about Americans, white men making them slaves. Mm-hmm. Why why has there not been more of this sort of capitalist well, spirit? Well, it is the same uh, blame game, as I said. Uh, of course, uh, Ghana was uh, colonized uh, yes. uh, before, just like uh, black people were uh, enslaved. Mm. Uh, so uh, we, we, as I said in the book, uh, there are three things that uh, we like to, to, to do, I mean to use as excuse for our failures, uh, which includes uh, uh, colonialism. Yeah. Uh, slavery and racism, but those are the things uh, that uh, we use as body armor against uh, uh, whatever is happening in the community. So, uh, of course, uh, with uh, the deterioration of uh, the the standard of living, uh, we like to blame it on our former colonial masters. Mm. 
because oh, we we now instead of having colonial masters, uh, there are people who are talking about uh, new colonialism. You, you see, so uh, that is the uh, uh, that is the new term, new colonialism. Uh, so that uh, people, even though uh, you you have individuals. Uh, who have become very rich at the expense of the masses of the people, they prefer when things go wrong to blame the, uh, the, 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 the former white masters when, in fact, a lot of them have uh, stolen the money and taken them to uh, bank accounts uh, in, uh, in uh, Sweden, in Swiss bank accounts, deposited in Swiss bank accounts. Are you talking about... The African people themselves? The African leaders, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So, and of course, here in America, we have, uh, uh, we, we, we blame white people uh, for enslaving us, uh, for enslaving our, uh, our people. Uh, that is why, uh, you know, because of the years of slavery that uh, uh, we, we, we are still lagging behind. So, uh, but but uh, when you, uh, as I said, uh, we have to, as I said in uh, Capitalist Nigger, you have to look at uh, at this um, at these things uh, objectively. You have to put them, uh, you know, on uh, at the, on, on a wall and uh, analyze them. That uh, yes, we suffered uh, uh, colonialism. It's uh, is something that is true. Uh, there is no doubt about it. We suffered uh, colonialism. We suffered uh, slavery. Uh, but, you know, the racism is something you can never uh, legislate. Uh, racism will always be there. Uh, in fact, as I said in the book, uh, um, even the Arabs are more racist against uh, black people than, than the white people. Mm. See, so what are we going to do about that? Are we going to uh, continue to just blame other people for what is happening in our community? Because um, some of us are afraid that uh, in the year 2050 or in the year 3000, we as black people are going to still be blaming racism, mm. uh, colonialism, uh, sla- uh, slavery for why we are still mm. the lowest of the low of the low totem economic poor. Yes, and so. So, but why do you think that this happens? I mean, why do you think people are stuck in whining and blaming instead of being more industrious and actually uh, trying to make more money be, or become more capitalists, make businesses? Well, uh, because uh, you see, uh, there are people who who have the view and. Uh, you know, it's not that, uh, oh, we should go back to the Jim Crow area, um, era. But in those, uh, in those, uh, in those, uh, in that period of time, blacks had businesses. Uh, you know, they, because they controlled the business in their community. Uh, because white people did not want to serve them. So blacks were forced to uh, serve themselves to patronize uh, their own businesses. Uh-huh. But after uh, civil rights and that, uh, uh, black communities uh, 
uh, hardly have uh, uh, hardly control their own communities. Uh, for instance, we talk about uh, 850 billion dollars that uh, comes into the black community every uh, you know they generate uh, annually, which means that. If black America was a country, it would be the seventh largest uh, uh, economic power in the world. In fact, even before Canada. Uh, so, but out of that 50, 850 billion dollars uh, that uh, blacks generate as income, uh-huh. only 50 billion dollars comes back into the community as business. Hmm. that uh, blacks generate as business because the other $800 billion blacks um, spend it patronizing other communities. Hmm. Well, that's, and we're starting, you're starting to talk about the spider web doctrine, and we can, yes. uh, you can talk a little bit more about that uh, when we come back. My guest today is Dr. Chiki Oniani. He is the author of Capitalist Nigger, The Road to Success, A Spiderweb Doctrine, and we're learning about that. Um, when we come back, we'll talk more. You know, it seems to me that uh, you and Bill Cosby should get together <laughs> because yeah. some of the things are, seem a little similar. Well, but I, I said he must have read my book. I, I think so. His, uh, his speeches. I think so. Yeah. All right, well, we <laughs> we need to take a break, but you'll be coming right back to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. The Authority and Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Live in the Green Life with Kim Carlson. Echopreneur, author, and green living maven brings you an upbeat, fun exploration of the doables of living a more earth-friendly life. Kim cuts through the noise and urban myth of green do's and don'ts and shows that it is possible to live green easily. From hip organic weddings to exotic echo travel to healthy personal care products. Get the most current trends and tips from the experts for living a more planet-friendly and human lifestyle. Live in the Green Life with Kim Carlson. Broadcast each Thursday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on The Voice America Channel. Live in the Green Life for a human, healthy, and planet-friendly lifestyle. Whether by choice or by circumstance, the statistics of the effects of missing fathers and the impact on our children, our neighborhoods, and our communities is staggering. How can we interrupt this pattern of violence, gang activity, drug use, and sexual activity among our fatherless children? On Changing a Generation, with author, inspirational speaker, life coach, and host, Terrence Wilson, the focus is on elevating the mindset of this current generation by unveiling viewpoints that inspire people to reach for their dreams. Terrence and his guests reveal how building family relationships, becoming an entrepreneur, and living a Christian life develops future leaders in the next generation of children. Changing a Generation with Terrence Wilson broadcast each Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. Changing a Generation, bringing a message of deliverance to the fatherless on News Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today with my guest, Dr. Chika Oniani. He is the author of Capitalist Nigger, The Road to Success, A Spiderweb Doctrine. Uh, before the end of the show, we'll give you a website that you can go to and uh, where you can get the book in addition to bookstores. Um, but what, before the break, you were talking about, you were starting to talk about spiderweb, uh, the spiderweb doctrine and how that works. Could you explain that? Uh, well, uh, in the book, I... Um, uh, Actually, it was uh, from from the study that I did uh, about uh, about Indians. Uh, how you mean, they behave you mean Indians from India? Yeah, from East India. Yes. And uh, since they arrived in this country, uh, how they started, and uh, they have become such a, a powerful economic force in in, in America. Uh, how how they they they. Uh, how they progress uh, to the point that uh, they own 60, 68% of the motel business in America, mm. uh, about 50-something uh, percent of the uh, of uh, the uh, um, of the um, uh, you know uh, gas stations, um, 7-Elevens, and all those uh, all those things. Uh, how did they do it? So. Uh, in in uh, looking at how they did it, and uh, I, I know that, uh, for instance, uh, uh, when they started with uh, with a uh, uh, with, with, with a, a newsstand in New York, um, and before you knew it, they were able to take over the Hudson Hudson News, mm. and the Hudson News is now uh, you know there is no airport you go to. That you don't see Hudson News. Some right. sometimes you have like five of them, you know, all over right. the place in a, in an airport, and you see a lot of Indians uh, walking there, um, and uh, it's because uh, they they uh, eventually bought uh, the Hudson News. Um, so uh, uh, from there they they uh, went. Uh, they started uh, with uh, uh, the uh, taxi and limousine service in New York City. And, and uh, you know, before you knew it, uh, you know, most of uh, most of uh, the um, of uh, the taxes taxes are owned by uh, the medallions are owned by Indians. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and uh, that is that is uh, because these people uh, they patronize one another. That is, uh, an Indian will not go outside his community to buy something from somebody else. It's not that that is what I'm advocating for black people. Uh, but, but, uh, but they, they buy from themselves, uh, they, they could travel 200 miles, uh, just to, so that they can buy from another Indian. Mm. It doesn't matter if uh, if one Indian annoys them, they will go to another Indian and buy from him. Mm-hmm. So that is uh, that is how uh, they they built this um, this 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 uh, powerful economic force and um, and they provide jobs for their own people. 
so uh, uh, that is that is how this, uh, and we know uh, from economic uh, economic uh, theory how a dollar uh, eventually becomes eight dollars, and how that eight dollars eventually becomes hundred and sixty four dollars uh, through the uh, economic multiplier effect. Uh, that is, when a dollar comes into a community, it passes through that community at times. That is, mm-hmm. if they are doing what they should be doing. Uh, but since, uh, you know, in explaining the spider web doctrine, uh, we know what a spider does. It, uh, it weaves its yarn, and if a fly comes in there, it never leaves. So that is why I call this theory the uh, uh, the uh, spider web doctrine, uh-huh. because because when a fly comes in, uh, when a dollar comes into uh, uh-huh. uh, the Indian community, most of the Asian communities anyway, they trap it. They don't allow it to go out of their community because the money continues to circulate within yes. their community, yes. and uh, it doesn't leave. So a dollar that comes into a community like that becomes eight dollars, and eventually, because it is trapped, eventually becomes hundred and sixty-four dollars. And the the same thing is true when you spend a dollar. So for the black community, by far a dollar comes in, we have already spent it. Yes, and Um, and I, I guess also you make the point that. That other um, some of the people in other races, like in the Indian race, for example, or, or ethnic background, um, that they are willing to start low in low jobs from the ground up, and they're mm-hmm. willing to mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. not just look for immediate gratification, but to realize no. that this is going to take time to build the web. Yes, um, because uh, some of them uh, uh, they stay, you know, ten, sixteen in a, in, a, in, a, in an apartment because uh, they want to when one uh, when they have enough money they give it to one person he buys his own house and uh, then they contribute more to another one and the yeah. who then lives to buy. Or buy a business that will provide jobs for other people. Yes. So that well, is what has been going on. Yes. Well, you're doing really important work, motivating people to uh, to, to build their webs. And uh, tell tell um, my listeners where they can get your book. Well, uh, it's uh, it's on Amazon.com, uh, but uh, the uh, and BarnesandNoble.com. Uh, but on the other hand, also uh, our our new book, uh, The Brother Bond uh, Conspiracy, uh, you can get it at www.thebrotherbondconspiracy.com. All right, and and um, okay, well, so Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com for yes. the capitalist or any bookstore or any, any bookstore, bookstore has okay. a capitalist nigger. Okay, yeah. and thank you again. Um, Dr. Chika Oniani, thank you so much. Fascinating. Thank you, Dr. Carroll. Fascinating story, and, and really good luck with all of your work. Thank you. Again, the, the name of the book, Capitalist Nigger, The Road to Success, A Spider Web Doctrine. Now you get it, why it's called A Spider Web Doctrine. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.